It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam Amick comes to us on the zone phone the guest line is the sprint special guest line at least any phone and get an ipad or samsung tab for 99 dollars and 99 cents visit the sprint store nearest you all right sam that's the voice of patrick killian sitting in for the vacationing jake scott uh who is probably laying on a beach right now that sounds pretty good doesn't it not too bad at all no patrick thanks for having me i don't know you know how you got the raw deal. He gets to relax and you're out here working. Uh, well, you're sitting here talking on the radio. It isn't too bad. Before we get into hoops, and obviously there's a million things, uh, what do you think? Any of the Houston Astros going to be sitting on a beach this summer? <laughs> I'm not as well-versed in baseball as I used to be. Um, shout out to uh, my athletic colleagues, uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan uh, Drylich, who broke that story and just busted it wide open. Uh, it's just incredible what's happened since then. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of a lot of Astros, some other former Astros uh, with plenty of time to, to hit the waves and be on the beach. <laughs> Do you think there's any form of cheating going on in the NBA? I, I don't know. That's all speculation. But uh, if there were, what would it be? Gordon, it's funny that you asked that. I literally just brought that question up with my editor. And as a fellow writer, you can relate where you just kick ideas around and – that was uh, something we were just chewing on. Um, the thing is about the NBA is that, you know, scouting, in-person scouting of the opponent is it's an art. Uh, and if anybody's not aware of it, you know, like the advanced scout for the other teams will be given a seat most of the time in very close proximity to the bench. You know, if it's at the Jazz Arena, then it's, you know, right down there by Quinn Snyder. And, and he's literally – not only tracking the action, uh, he or she, but but tracking, you know, play calls and hand motions. And, you know, like it's an in-person version of just trying to, to memorize every play and, and create a file so that when their team plays the Jazz, they can literally identify those play calls and, and, and know what's coming. Now, the difference in basketball is I just don't think it's the same. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger edge in baseball, right? Like if you know that they're bringing the heat and you can sit on that pitch – then that's just a game changer. Um, in basketball, you could know that they're, you know, that they're going, you know, one five pick and roll, and if it's a good player or two coming at you, there's nothing you can do about it. So, the the culture is kind of different. Now, the technology is the distinction. Um, baseball obviously made the the hard ruling that using you know technology and cameras and and TVs and all that stuff is where they cross the line. I'm not sure what the the equivalent of that is in the NBA, but I mean, in hoops, people are going to great lengths to get every edge they can. Yeah, how much of it, though, just in general, not specific to a particular sport, is the competitive edge? And so you would have guys that could be really upstanding. I mean, I don't know these guys in baseball personally, but I have no reason to doubt that they're not good people, and this was just a way to win. And so they did it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I again, it's hard for me to speak to that. I mean, I listen. I a long time ago, I did cover pro baseball, and you know, and and uh, 
didn't witness anything like this. I think what struck me about the story is that when you get to the level of sophistication and even the, the silly stuff like, you know, the pounding on garbage cans uh, to have an entire communication system. Uh, and again, it's based on a camera in center field that's giving you a video feed into the back. You know, that's, that's a whole different category, I think. But 100%, there are people getting caught up in this controversy who probably just thought that, I mean, come on, this is baseball. This is where you've, whether it's a spitball, whether it's, you know, all these different ways in the, in the past where guys would try to, to get an edge, you know, putting some sort of jelly on the ball when the ump's not looking. I right. mean, cheating has been to a degree, you know, part of, of the baseball life for a long time. But clearly the, the league itself doesn't want that to be the case. Sam Amick of The Athletic joins us. Sam, uh, I guess you could say that there's never been a foul committed in the NBA, and guys will take whatever advantage they can and take advantage of bad calls. Take advantage, and you know, I mean, the league is trying to limit this, this flopping that goes on and all that. But with so much money at stake, with everybody trying to get that trophy, it does seem like they're willing to do just about anything to get it. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, you know, again, quote unquote cheating. You know, you could have a discussion about, and this is a sore spot for Jazz fans about James Harden and his style of play. You know, it's, it's very soccer esque. James has, memory, you know, he has learned the rule book of the league in which he plays. He knows it like the back of his hand, and he forces the refs into positions where the the rules say that they must blow the whistle with all these different moves that he makes even though the conventional fan would watch this play and say that's not a basketball play. And, that's, and that, the assertion is that that makes it, um, you know, unjust and, and just, you know, not correct. But that's not how it's litigated. So there's all kinds of forms. And, you know, I don't know what else. I mean, shoot, Gordon, I, you're, both of you guys asking this is timely because I, I, I'm not kidding. I literally was like, all right, we got to write a <laughs> – an NBA cheating story. Like, what does that look like? You know, I think people yeah. would find it interesting. Well, Sam, did you see, I think it was last week, I may have read that Kobe Bryant said something about he studied where the refs were supposed to be out on the floor, given where the ball was, and he had determined, and obviously he was a highly intelligent ball player and still is, but he did, he figured out there was a spot on the floor where he could do stuff and get away with it because the refs, where they were supposed to go relative to where the ball was, created almost like a blind spot in your rearview mirror, so to speak, to where you can't really see, so you better check over your shoulder. And Kobe took advantage of that. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I know I saw it out there, unless I'm making it up, but I think I saw it. And so that's a form, but yet yeah. it was almost like a loophole that becomes acceptable, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I didn't see it. That doesn't. I'm sure you're accurate. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. And and that's just again. That's. I mean, the to go back to the Harden soccer parallel. You know, it's funny. I, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but when you talk to big soccer fans, they don't get caught up in the flopping um, like basketball fans do. And and you know, it's just over the top and it's comedic and it's theatric with soccer, but it's all rooted in the fact that. And I actually, ironically, I, I've had this conversation with Daryl Morey, the, the Rockets GM, who's obviously very analytics-based. And, and Daryl's made the point that in soccer, 
the the value given to a penalty shot, which is to say that like the re- the possible reward that might come your way if you can you know do your best Tom Cruise impression and be an actor is is just just incredible. When you talk about the number of opportunities in a soccer game versus you know how priceless of an opportunity it is to have a penalty kick, and you know and so let alone James Harden trying to get a couple of free throws or trying to get up to 15 or 20 free throws in a game. You know, these guys are always analyzing the cost-benefit analysis. You know, Chris Paul comes to mind, uh, the, the thing recently where he, you know, I forget, I think it was Minnesota, where he challenged the, the ref uh, because of the jersey that was untucked, and it decided the game. But he yeah. knew the rules, and he basically, for lack of a better way of putting it, he kind of punked the ref in real time and said, I know your rule book better than you do. That's a That's a – that's a foul. And once he highlighted it, it kind of appears that – I forget which official it was, but it certainly appeared to me that they kind of buckled to a peer pressure of sorts, and they made the call. Um, so, you know, Chris is another one. I, I heard a story one time about how Chris used to uh, – they have these early season meetings between players and officials to try to debrief them and help them understand all the points of emphasis. And Chris – would it would bother him that he did not think the refs knew the game of basketball as well as they should. And he would quiz them, which they were not asking to be quizzed. They were not there to be quizzed. But he would come at them and say things like, you know, do you know what it means when I tell my teammate, you know, we're going we're gonna to ice this? Um, all these different terminology things that he thought they should know about the game. And if they didn't, you know, he wasn't going to respect them. And that's not necessarily cheating. It does speak to the fact that psychologically and IQ-wise, these athletes are trying to get every edge they can. Yeah, I mean, I, when I watch basketball, I see guys palming the ball that gives them an extra step uh, on a defender. You see that kind of thing all the time, not to mention the off-the-court stuff that was uh, in the news over the past year with players trying to draw their friends over to their teams. And, uh, you know, the league was sort of uh, grumbling and reacting to that. I hope you do that story, Sam. I think that'd be fascinating to compile all that stuff. Well, I, I need extra motivation. You're giving it to me, Gordon. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to chip away at it. You know, Sam, the, the Jazz have won 10 straight. They're going for number 11 tonight against the Pelicans. They've won 15 of 16. I asked PK this question earlier, uh, is it legitimate? Do you think uh, we are seeing now the fulfillment of the expectation for what the Jazz, uh, what folks were thinking they might do this season? I mean, I think it's it's substantive. It's real. Uh, they deserve credit for figuring things out. Uh, the obvious question that has got to get answered is, like the narrative, because we get caught up in narratives in the media the narrative is hard to process because it's like, wait a minute, I, I thought that Mike Conley was the thing that was going to take them to the next level. Um, and, and now they're doing it in spite of him. And so, you know, now how does he fit in? And in fact, I listened today. I don't know if you guys have, have heard this. Uh, Joe Ingles, certainly one of my favorite dudes in the league to cover. And uh, I don't normally run around promoting other people's podcasts, but Zach Lowe of ESPN had a great podcast with Joe uh, where they talked about the fact that, you know, Joe's adjustment earlier in the year to coming off the bench, um, the question of when Mike comes back, you know, who is going to come off the bench. So that's, you know, they're in a really good spot. And now you've got to find a way to keep it going without 
it's counterintuitive, but without having it get screwed up by getting, you know, even more help and even more talent available. So, you know, I'm curious to see how that part goes. Oh, yeah, we are too. I think there's a couple of things here is that the Jazz so far, outside of Conley, have been injury-free. You hate to jinx it. And so they probably have an injury to one degree or another. So the situation with Conley's return, whenever that may be, takes care of itself because player fill-in-the-blank has to go down for a few games. So then Conley comes in. As long as it's not Gobert, the other guys are to a degree interchangeable. And so maybe that settles it. And then two, I think Conley's return will help them in with regard to beating good teams in the league because I think there's a couple of things you need to prove. You need to prove you can beat the, the mediocre to bad teams, which the Jazz obviously are doing. And then now before the All-Star break, they'll play Dallas twice, Houston and Denver uh, for a total of six games between now and uh, whenever I think the All-Star break is the uh, third week in February. And so if Conley can come back and maybe he can help them do that, so that's what I'm looking forward to as far as his return. Yeah, no, that's the thing. There's a lot there. You know, Quinn Snyder and his staff get to, uh, you know, they are tasked with that challenge of putting it together. But Donovan Mitchell taking a step uh, again, you know, playing at a really high level, Rudy Gobert doing his thing. Um, they're really good. I mean, it's funny at the end of that, that uh, podcast visit with Joe and Zach, he asked him, I mean, it's a cliche question, but, but I ask it all the time of, of good teams. Like, do you truly believe that you guys are capable of winning a championship? And Joe's answer was confident. Like, he's not sitting there predicting it, but it was the, the whole thing about, you know, if we catch breaks because that's part of the game, and then if we play to our potential, then absolutely. And I didn't have a problem with his answer. Like, they, it's a weird year where, you know, if, if I ask you right now who's the – quote-unquote, sexiest team as far as just uh, buzz around the NBA. It's obviously the Lakers, even with the Bucks doing what they're doing. Um, you know, I don't trust the Lakers necessarily over the Jazz. or the. I mean, the Clippers at their best would scare me, but they're, you know, having some kind of fit issues of their own. Um, you know, the Bucks I think, are not getting enough respect, so that's probably the one squad that I – I would definitely put head and shoulders above everybody right now, but there, there is a lot of parity, and that leaves room for a team like Utah that's really good to, you know, who knows, maybe pull off a run here. Sam, you know who uh, you know who taught Joe Ingles how to be good on the radio and on podcasts like that? My partner. Was Pat- that you, Gordon? No, it was Patrick Cunningham, oh, PK, my partner. Huh? Okay. They, they have a weekly uh, show with Joe, uh, the Joe Ingles show. PK, you sort of showed him the ropes, didn't you? Well, when Joe was a rookie – in the NBA, and his fiance now wife, was over in Australia playing her netball. Joe was lonely, so I hung out with him a couple of times. And and it was away from basketball. I was at a dinner. I happened to be seated by him, and then I saw him someplace else. And it was midway through his rookie season. And I said, Joe, man, you obviously are good. What do you think about coming on? And just, you know, we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about life, Australia, you and Europe, you know, any number of things. And he said, yeah, he is lonely at the time because he's by himself. Now he's got his wife over with two kids. But six years later, and I had no idea that Joe would blow up like this as a player. And credit to him and to Quinn Snyder and to everybody else involved in the Jazz organization because he's worked himself into a fine player. But in all this time, and I've had, and I, I've done this show for 18 years, and we've had players, and then they do it and they peter out. In six years, Sam, six years, he's missed twice 
during the entire NBA wow. season. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And now he's a star, or at least you know close to a star. And he, and we do it Thursdays, but it has to rotate. Like for instance, this week they play Thursday, obviously, so we did it Wednesday. And if it doesn't work, then we do it Friday. Most of the time it's Thursday, but he will come on, win, lose, doesn't matter, play well, suck, twice in six years. That's impressive. I can also hear him, you know, because he's he certainly he's a he's a unique mixture of, you know, super confident, cocky when he needs to be, but extremely humble at the same time. I can hear him giving you a hard time, going, "I'm not a star. I'm not a oh, star." Oh, like, my gosh! If, you know, if, yeah, if you try yeah. to say, "Man, you played well. Who cares, man? We won the game. I don't want to hear about that." He'll never take yeah. anything. You, if you ask him, Joe, why are you playing so well? He won't answer it. He'll say, "Well, I don't know. I don't want to answer. No, I'm, I'm not." I'm not. I say, so I have to make sure I phrase the question. What is your confidence level now, Joe? <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to phrase it right. in a manner that doesn't draw the attention. He's so worried. This week when we had him on yesterday, his big thing was he was worried about, because he's obviously played well as a starter versus coming off the bench, and he's worried about, well, Mike Conley doesn't take heat, and we just needed to get Conley out of the equation, and we took off. He's worried about people in our community will think that. He wants zero right. credit. Uh, although I got, yeah, no, it's fun. I got to tell you though, when PK asked him about you know his his normal looks to him, and he had, that someone said he was like a bartender or something, you asked him what job he would like to do, and he said bartender sounds pretty good. Yeah, me? yeah, you know, because he doesn't look like the typical NBA player, so he's a school teacher, he's a bartender, he's an insurance guy, that type of thing. Sam, we appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks a lot, man. Of course, guys. Have a good week. Okay, Thank you. you too, Sam Amick. Of the athletic. Yeah, the NBA Daily Sist, it's brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here for sure. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today at 801-747-LEES. That's L-E-E-S. Or online at leesheatingac.com.